Section thirty of A Life's Morning. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shi Pingling. A Life's Morning by George Gissing. Section thirty, chapter twenty three. Her path in the light. That Wilfred did not at the last moment leap on shore and follow Emily seemed to him less the result of self-control than obedience to outward restraint it was as though an actual hand lay on his shoulder and held him back he went back to his seat and again fell into dreaminess the arrival of the boat at chelsea pier reminded him that he must land thence he drove home on reaching the house he found mrs burks there she had called to see his father and was in the hall on the point of leaving as he entered she stepped up to him and spoke in a low voice what is the matter with beatrice the matter how she seems out of sorts come round and see her will you i really can't just now wilfred replied do you mean that she is not well something seems to be upsetting her why can't you come and see her i can't this evening i have an engagement very well but you had better come soon i think i don't understand you said wilfred with some show of impatience is she ill not exactly ill i suppose of course i mustn't interfere no doubt you understand i will come as soon as i can wilfred said and he added has she spoken to you about anything i wish she had she will speak neither to me nor to any one else it is too bad wilf if you let her fret herself into a fever she's just a girl to do it you know she nodded smiled and went off wilfred having committed himself to an engagement loitered about in his dressing-room for a while then without seeing his father betook himself to his club and dined there after passing the early part of the evening in an uncomfortable way with the help of newspapers and casual conversation he went home again and shut himself in his study he sat long without attempting to do anything about midnight he rose as if to leave the room but instead of doing so paced the floor for a few minutes then he opened a certain drawer in his writing-table and took out the morocco case which contained emily's letters he slipped off the band the letters were still in their envelopes and lay in the order in which he had received them he drew forth the first and began to read it he read them all till the early daybreak he remained in the room sometimes walking about sometimes seating himself to re-read this letter and that twenty-four hours ago these written words would have touched his heart indeed but only as does the memory of an irrevocable joy he could have read them and still have gone to meet beatrice as usual or with but a little more than his ordinary reserve in her presence it was otherwise now the very voice had spoken again and its tones lingering with him made the written characters vocal each word uttered itself as it met his eye emily spoke still 
the paper was old the ink faded but the love was of this hour he grew fevered and it was the fever of years ago which had only been in appearance subdued it had lurked still in his blood and now asserted itself with the old dire mastery he marvelled that he had suffered her to leave him without even learning where she lived he could not understand what his mood had been what motives had weighed with him he had not been conscious of a severe struggle to resist a temptation the temptation had not in fact yet formed itself what was her own thought she had answered his questions freely perhaps would have told him without hesitation the address of her lodgings clearly she no longer sought to escape him but that he reminded himself was only the natural response to his own perfectly calm way of speaking she could not suggest embarrassments when it was his own cue to show that he felt none she was still free it seemed but what was her feeling towards him did she still love him was the mysterious cause which had parted them still valid when already it was daylight he went upstairs and lay down on the bed he was weary but not with the kind of weariness that brings sleep his mind was occupied with plans for discovering where emily lived mrs baxendale had professed to have lost sight of her wilfred saw now that there was a reason for concealing the truth and felt that in all probability his friend had misled him in any case he could not apply to her was there a chance of a second meeting in the same place emily was sure to be free on saturday afternoon but only in one case would she go to the park again if she desired to see him and imagined a corresponding desire on his side and that was an unlikely thing granting she loved him it was not in emily's character to scheme thus under the circumstances yet why had she chosen to come and live in london beatrice he had put out of his thoughts he did not do it deliberately he made no daring plans simply he gave himself over to the rising flood of passion without caring to ask whither it would bear him though it fevered him there was a luxury in the sense of abandonment once more to desire which suffered no questioning that he had ever really loved beatrice he saw now to be more than doubtful that he loved emily was as certain as that he lived to compare the images of the two women was to set side by side a life sad and wan with one which bloomed like a royal flower a face whose lines were wasted by long desolation with one whose loveliness was the fit embodiment of supreme joy but in the former he found a beauty of which the other offered no suggestion a beauty which appealed to him with the most subtle allurements which drew him as with siren song which if he still contemplated it would inspire him with recklessness he made no effort to expel it from his imagination every hour it was sweeter to forget the facts of life and dream of what might be through this day and that which followed he kept away from home only returning late at night no more news of beatrice came 
he saw that his father regarded him with looks of curiosity but only conversation of the wonted kind passed between them when saturday arrived he was no longer in doubt whether to pursue the one faint hope of finding emily again in bushy park the difficulty was to pass the time till noon before which it was useless to start he was due for the last sitting in the studio at teddington but that was an ordeal impossible to go through in his present state of mind he went to hampton by train lunch again at the king's arms though but hastily and at length reached the spot in the park where his eyes had discovered emily reading it was not such a day as wednesday had been the sun shone intermittently but there was threatening of rain a vehicle now and then drove along the avenue taking holiday-makers to the palace and near the place where wilfred walked a party was picnicking under the trees but he in vain sought for one who wandered alone one who in the distance could move him to uncertain hope why had he come suppose he did again meet emily what had he to say to her long and useless waiting naturally suggested such thoughts and the answer to them was a momentary failing at the heart a touch of fear was he prepared to treat this temporary coldness between beatrice and himself as a final rupture was his present behaviour exactly that of a man who recognises rules of honour if he had no purpose in wishing to see emily but the satisfaction of a desire about which he would not reason was it not unqualified treachery in which he was involving himself treachery to two women and to one of them utter cruelty he turned to walk towards the lake desperate that his hope had failed and at the same time strange contradiction glad in the thought that having once yielded he might overcome his madness he passed the lake and reached the exit from the park at the same moment emily was entering her face expressed an agony of shame she could not raise her eyes could not speak she gave him her hand mechanically and walked on with her looks averted her distress was so unconcealed that it pained him acutely he could not find words till they had walked a distance of twenty or thirty yards then he said i came purposely to-day in the hope that you might by chance be here do i annoy you she half turned her face to him but the effort to speak was vain a still longer silence followed wilfred knew at length what he had done that utterance of his had but one meaning emily's mute reply admitted of but one interpretation his eyes dazzled his heart beat violently a gulf sank before him and there was no longer choice but to plunge into it he looked at his companion and farewell the solid ground emily is it your wish that i should leave you she faced him moved her lips motioned no with her head she was like one who is led to death then i will not leave you let us walk gently on you shall speak to me when you feel able he cared for no obstacle now she was come back to him from the dead 
and to him it was enough of life to hold her. Let the world go. Let all speak of him as they would. This pale, weary-eyed woman should henceforth represent existence to him. He would know no law but the bidding of his sovereign love. She spoke. Have I fallen in your eyes? You have always been to me the highest, and will be whilst I live. They had passed into the shadow of the trees. He took her hand and held it. The touch seemed to strengthen her, for she looked at him again and spoke firmly. Neither was my coming without thought of you. I had no hope that you would be here, no least hope, but I came because it was here I had seen you. Since Wednesday, Wilfred returned. I have read your letters many times. Could you still speak to me as you did then? If you could believe me. You said once that you did not love me. It was untrue. May you tell me now what it was that came between us? She fixed upon him a gaze of sad entreaty and said, under her breath, Not now. Then I will never ask. Let it be what it might, your simple word that you loved me is all I need. I will tell you, Emily replied, but I cannot now. It seemed to me at the time that that secret would have to die with me. I thought so till I met you here. Then I knew that, if you still loved me and had been faithful to me so long, I could say nothing to myself which I might not speak to you. My love for you has conquered every other love and everything that I believed my duty. Is it so, Emily? he asked, with deepest tenderness. When I tell you all, you will perhaps feel that I have proved my own weakness. I will conceal from you nothing I have ever thought. You will see that I try to do what my purest instincts urged, and that I have been unable to persevere to the end. Wilfred, my own soul, when I tell you all that happened at that time, I shall indeed speak to you as if your soul and mine were one. It may be wrong to tell you, you may despise me for not keeping such things a secret forever. I cannot tell whether I am right or wrong to do this. Is your love like mine? I would say it was greater, if you were not so above me in all things. Wilfred, I was dying in my loneliness. It would not have been hard to die, for if I was weak in everything else, at least my love for you would have grown to my last breath. If I speak things which I should only prove in silence, it is that you may not afterwards judge me hardly. You shall tell me, Wilfred replied, when you are my wife. Till then I will hear nothing but that you are and always have been mine. They came to a great tree about the trunk of which had been built a circular seat. The glades on every side showed no disturbing approach. Let us sit here, said Wilfred. We have always talked with each other in the open air, haven't we? He drew her to him and kissed her face passionately. It was the satisfying of a hunger of years. With Beatrice his caresses had seldom been other than playful. From the first moment of re-meeting with Emily, he had longed to hold her to his heart. Can I hope to keep you now? You won't leave me again, Emily. If I leave you, Wilfred, it will be to die. Again he folded her in his arms, 
and kissed her lips her cheeks her eyes she was as weak as a trembling flower emily i shall be in dread through every moment that parts us will you consent to whatever i ask of you once before i would have taken you and made you my wife and if you had yielded we should have escaped all this long misery will you now do what i wish she looked at him questioningly will you marry me as soon as it can possibly be on monday i will do what is necessary and we can be married on wednesday this time you will not refuse wednesday yes one day only need intervene between the notice and the marriage it shall be at the church nearest to you wilfred why do you fear had taken hold upon her she could not face the thought wilfred checked her faint words with his lips i wished it he said himself shaken with the tempest of passion which whelmed the last protest of his conscience i shall scarcely tear myself from you even till then emily emily what has my life been without your love oh you will be the angel that raises me out of the ignoble world into which i have fallen hold me to you make me feel and believe that you have saved me emily my beautiful my goddess let me worship you pray to you mine now mine love for ever and ever she burst into tears unable to suffer this new denizen of her heart the sure and certain hope of bliss he kissed away the tears as they fell whispering love that was near to frenzy there came a bob that shook her whole frame then wilfred felt her cheek grow very cold against his her eyes were half closed from her lips escaped a faint moan he drew back and uncertain whether she had lost consciousness called to her to speak her body could not fall for it rested against a hollow part of the great trunk the faintness lasted only for a few moments she once more gazed at him with the eyes of infinite sadness it is so hard to bear happiness were her first words my dearest you are weak and worn with trouble oh we will soon leave that far behind us are you better my lily only give me your hands to hold and i will be very still your hands are so light they weigh no more than leaves do you suffer dear a little pain there she touched her heart wilfred looked into her face anxiously have you often that pain no not often i don't feel it now wilfred every day i have spoken that name have spoken it aloud so have i often spoken yours dear they gazed at each other in silence and it is to be as i wish wilfred said gently so very soon so very long this is only saturday if i had known this morning it could have been on monday your wife wilfred really your wife how your voice has changed till now you spoke so sadly those words are like the happiest of our old happy time three long days to be passed but not one day more you promise me i do your bidding now and always always 
For the moment she had forgotten everything but love and love's rapture. It was as though life spread before her in limitless glory. She thought nothing of the dark foe with whose ever-watchful, ever-threatening presence she had become so familiar. They talked long. Only the lengthening and deepening shadow of the trees reminded them at length that hours had passed whilst they sat here. The boat will have gone, Emily said. Never mind. We will get a conveyance at the hotel, and you must have refreshment of some kind. Shall we see what they can give us to eat at the King's Arms? To be sure we will. It will be our first meal together. They rose. Emily. Yes, Wilfred? I can trust you. You will not fail me. Not if I am living, Wilfred. Oh, but I shall of course see you before Wednesday. Tomorrow is Sunday. He checked himself. Sunday was the day he always gave to Beatrice, but he dares not think of that now. On Sunday there are so many people about, he continued. Will you come here again on Monday afternoon? Emily promised to do so. I will write to you tomorrow, and again a letter for Tuesday, giving you the last directions. But I may have to see you on Tuesday. May I call at your lodgings? If you need to, surely you may. My, my husband. My wife. They walked to the hotel, and thence, when dusk was falling, started to drive homewards. They stopped at the end of Emily Street, and Wilfred walked with her to the door. Till Monday afternoon, he said, grasping her hand as if he clung to it in fear. Then he found another vehicle. It was dark when he reached home. End of section 30, chapter 23, recording by Shu Pingning.